Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Bagging Boardcast, episode number 314. I'm Chris. I'm John. And I'm Paul. For a weekly podcast that comes to you in three ways. The first being The Week in Geek, bringing you the top geek stories of the past week. Next is The List, the comic books that we are looking forward to coming out September 7th, 2016. And we always follow that up with our weekly rotating main topic, and this time it's time for our August 2016 look back. We'll be taking a look at some of the books that came out last month. We're going to be looking at Boom Studios Backstagers number one, then DC Comics Blue Beetle Rebirth number one, Hal Jordan and the Green Lantern Corps Rebirth number one, Titans Rebirth number one, and All-Star Batman number one. Ooh, so many number ones! Usually how it works out. Uh, and... You know, we to, to be able to talk about these, we need some fuel. We need some some creativity fuel. And uh, for us, nothing beats eleven thirty in the morning on a Sunday. Yeah, well, this is only a three point nine percent alcohol by volume, so this is a light boy. This is a Lagunitas unlimited release, though they can go back to making it a limited release. The Downlow Ale, and um, this tastes like a 3.9% alcohol by volume beer because there's not much to it. Um, it tastes like you watered down like a pale ale. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, I was interested to see how this beer tasted. Um, I'm glad that it's only like, it's only, four, it's under five bucks. It's like 450 for a bomber of this mm-hmm. because this is probably one of the, my least favorite Lagunitas beers. Yeah, it's. I bought it because I'm like it's a lot of bonitas, and I'm like for only five dollars, I'm getting away with a crime. <laughs> and you know what? It's not like they performed a crime on me or anything, but uh, it's it's probably worth just four ninety nine. I'm more upset that I had to pay the extra nickel for the bottle deposit because I'm like that's a that's like a one percent increase in this whole cost right here. <laughs> well, you get that back. I will get that back now because I'm definitely returning it for that five cents. This is a dry hopped um, copper ale. Mm-hmm. And I think with, uh, for every barrel they use, they use over two pounds of Northwestern hops. Oh. Is that a lot or no? It doesn't seem. I know nothing about brewing. I wish producers It's a lot. Here. It's, it, okay. Uh, when we brewed beer with him, mm-hmm. and it was just. Uh, you know, your normal homebrew size, we used, like, four packets. And I don't think those even came up to... A pound? A quarter of a pound. <laughs> like, it's, like, in each packet, there's probably maybe... A dime bag worth of hops. Exactly. <laughs> Pretty much. It, it's probably, like... I mean, uh, some of them had pellets, some of them had a whole kernel, but, like, it's n- <laughs> it's nowhere near uh, two pounds worth. So, yes, that's a lot. Okay. It doesn't seem like a big return on investment, though. For two pounds of hops, did not I do not taste it in this beer. I get a little bit of that tanniny bitterness um, that I do enjoy, but there's not much on this. This has been in my fridge for about a week and a half, two weeks, and uh, it's just been chilling, you know. And it's we're drinking ah, fairly cold. Yeah. It's not like it's an old bottle or anything. I bought it like the first time I saw it at Premiere. It's relatively new, and um, no, it's just a little sad. And like it's, there's... I'm just saying that because of the level of taste. You know, I don't want it to sound like maybe it's an old bottle because yeah. you know I could understand if this was a year old. <laughs> yeah, the I'd be points. like, oh, you know, this was probably a good beer at one point. No, this is new, 
And it wasn't even, like, rolling in the back of my car, like, in the heat. This was in my fridge this whole time. Like, yeah, you know, yeah, I'm sorry. You can't, you can't always make winners. Mm-hmm. Uh, they tried something new. They tried doing a bomber bottle at 3.9. The, yeah. the thing that always made these bombers from Lagunitas, like, wow, what a great deal, is, you know, they have an 8% double IPA that's delicious, hop stupid, that is... 549 mm-hmm. or they have their imperial stout which is 10 percent for 449 like you know they yeah, it's yeah. those crazy prices that like make it worth it where this is like a 3.9 beer that i'm not sure why you would drink this well i can understand if they marketed this as a session ale like oh you know this is sessionable you can drink the whole bomber in one sitting no big deal you know okay but it's not pleasant enough. Like, there's not enough to it that makes me want to keep going back to it. Unless you're made to, like, mix this with stuff. Yeah. <laughs> like, mix it with uh, fruit. cocktails, yeah. Yeah, like, then I would be like, oh, okay. Yeah, well, maybe, like you, a, know. you know. Like, the ginger beers, they're, like, 4%, you know, and you make cocktails out of those. So that makes sense, but that's not what it's for. So if you need a beer to make your Bloody Caesar with, maybe the Down Low Ale is for you. It's called the Download Ale? Yeah, Download. Yeah. I don't know any other beer cocktails other than a Bloody Caesar. Because uh, we live close bite. to Canada. I'm sorry, what's that? Oh, Snake Bite. Yeah, well, that's a that's a beer that. cocktail with beer. Uh, <laughs> you know, that's beer with more beer. That's Is that really a cocktail? Chris, Lagunita is a brewery that we always go back to. Are you drinking something from a brewery that you always go back to? I am, strangely enough, and this is coming from Magic Hat Brewing Company, and this is their new Vamplifier, and this is their fall seasonal, and it is a hoppy red ale sitting at 5.2% ABV. Um, it it delivers on its promise. It's very hoppy, and you get that kind of like rusty red taste on the back. It's it's not bad. It's It would have its spot in Bargatory. I mean, there's other Magic Hat beers I would drink over this, but there's nothing wrong with it at all. Um, would I order it again? No, I mean, it's not bad. I only picked up one bottle. I made my own six-pack, and I, I'm good with where I'm at on this, but it's hmm. I've had worse. <laughs> yeah. I, mean, I know that's a terrible thing to say, but it's it's just kind of your standard Magic Hat beer, you know? Yeah. Isn't that, like, Magic Hat used to be the brewery that we were to go to and be like, yeah, we can get really decent beers from them, good quality, price point, and now we're like, eh, it's a low rung. It used to be the middle. They're still decent, though. I right. mean, I don't want to take anything away from them. It's, it's. I think Magic Hat alongside someone like Samuel Adams, it's a good entry level for mm-hmm. craft brewing. Like, if you haven't tried craft beers and you want something that's accessible, you'll be able to actually find it because they do have a pretty wide mm-hmm. distribution footprint, it seems. Um, but it's not going to be like too crazy out there. Like, you're not, it's not going to be like a stone where. Mm-hmm. On first taste, it's going to be like, whoa, what did I just drink? I'm never drinking a beer again. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, Saranac's the same way. And I think yeah. the problem with like those those beer companies mm-hmm. are uh, they've lost their core brands. Like Magic Hat number nine is still mm-hmm. pumping and it's still out there, but it's gotten lost in the wayside. You don't mm-hmm. see it in every beer now because. That, oh, yeah, new, yeah. that new brewery well, not, is on tap. Because now that uh, fat tire is everywhere. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, and, and 
what else, what other is their name brand? Magic Hat number nine and whatever the flavor of the season is. Mm-hmm. You know, they're constantly putting out four different beers that are just for mm-hmm. that season. And you don't know what you can say is their core brand or their flagship beer. You know, Magic Hat uh, number nine is theirs, but it's mm-hmm. lost in the wayside. Saranac, they don't have a core beer. I think it would yeah. be their legacy IPA. That's what they tried to pro- promote as their new, you know, when that came out last year or two years ago. I think that's what they wanted to make their flagship beer, and I don't think it's stuck. No. And they're really mixed up because they have beers coming in at seven ninety nine, mm-hmm. and then they have beers coming out at nine ninety nine, and then they have beers coming out at thirteen ninety nine, and you know it's such a weird jumble with them and what their what their different beers they are they're doing, and nobody knows like oh I I can tell that's a Saranac because of the cover, but then the thirteen ninety nine beers. You look at that cover and you don't know who you don't know it's mm-hmm. from Saranac. You don't know that you know. Talking, the, about, talking about rebranding. I will, I will say, oh, go sorry, ahead. I will say in defense of this beer, it was only one ninety nine. Yeah. For the bottle, and I mean that's. Yeah. I'm, I'm definitely getting my dollar ninety nine worth of enjoyment out of this. You know, mm-hmm. it's not like whatever you guys spent for yours. Well, we spent five dollars for a bomber, and yeah, it's not that bad. I was saying uh, talking about but rebranding. Also, I mean, I bought a bomber of Warlock for eight ninety nine. Mm-hmm. Still, so, that's still a good price for Warlock. That, that's that's a beer that I'm going to love, and it was only three dollars more than mm-hmm. what you guys spent. Did you see the new uh, branding for Dogfish Head? Yeah, no, I haven't. I've seen like some, but I don't know. Did they do it across it's on, the board? Yeah, they're doing a cross board rebrand of their uh, their yeah. labeling. Yeah, and I think it looks really nice. Uh, um, I think it looks a little too graphic design seamsy. I don't think it's going to catch my eye on the shelf as much well, as... that's kind of how they were before, though. Everything was very just bare bones. You had the Doctor's Head label, and then it said what beer it was underneath it. Mm-hmm. The only stuff that really looked different was their more like seasonal release or limited release stuff, where they looked like they put more of that effort into it to make it stand out. Yeah. The, this new packaging, like, on the front, you know, it says the beer and everything, and then they have, like, um, a grouping of, like, the ingredients on it. Mm-hmm. But then on the side, they go... On the side of the box, they go into really big depth about what the beer is and what is going on in it. The packaging does look nice. Um, I'm actually I'm heading over to dogfishhead.com right now, and they, they have an article about it on their website where it's actually like, hey, our new uh, beer look just got a whole look, a whole new look. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they're trying to make their beers look seamless across the board, like when the package is next to a package, next to a package, mm-hmm. that it doesn't just look the same. It still says dogfish head, but it pops in a different different kind of scheme. Yeah, I think it's... Okay. Some, I, I do like this, though. It's a more graphic design, like, I think, take on it versus the very cartoony thing that they just went with. You know, the pumpkin and the uh, something romantic. And well, that is a thing they do yearly with artists. Mm-hmm. And okay. an artist wins um, their competition and then does like three or four of their boxes. Mm-hmm. And that's why across the board, you know, they'll have four different packaging with uh, the same kind of artist. Yeah, across, okay. okay, that's what I was kind of getting caught up with. Versus, Yeah, because I thought the same thing. I was like, man, what is up with this? So then I looked, I looked up why they would have that weird cat on mm-hmm. their... Uh, Punk kicked 
yeah. you know, whatever, uh, however, whatever their pumpkin beer name is. And then I uh, looked it up and I was like, oh, pumpkin. it's an artist. Pumpkin. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And like Brooklyn has changed their packaging. So if their package is side by side by side of their, mm-hmm. by their own packaging, um, on each corner is like half of a B. So you get the full Brooklyn oh, B on all of them. If they're next to each if other. If they're next okay. to each other. So I mean, they're everybody. Everybody is rebranding. Even people mm-hmm. who just rebranded are rebranding their packages again. Yeah, I and, think it's our. Well, yeah, because I think uh, a lot of these breweries suffer from what we were just talking about, Magic Hat. Like, we just kind of lose them in the shuffle. Identity. Yeah. You know how do you how do you maintain that freshness of identity? And rebranding is one of those ways you can do it. Yeah, I like the Southern Tier rebranding. On how they do, like every bottle's got its own little color scheme. Mm-hmm. It's the same, almost the same package, same wording on it, but there's a different color scheme. Same font. And um, they always have that Southern Tier circle mm-hmm. that gives you the ABVs and the style and the mm-hmm. yeah, uh, yeah. all of that going on. And I like theirs, mm-hmm. but yeah, some of them, you know, they need to pop, they need to grab more attention. Man, that's oh. some brewery news right there. <laughs> no, and speaking of news, I just I clicked over to Newsarama because I haven't been on this site in forever mm-hmm. until John said he just doesn't like the new layout of it. And one of the very first articles on here, Stargirl debuts in latest DC Legends of Tomorrow teaser. And yes, she has the cosmic staff. Yes. And that led me to be like, she looks like she's just wearing a t-shirt. Where can I buy that t-shirt? I want that t-shirt. <laughs> Because maybe for Halloween I'll go as Star Guy. There you go. <laughs> and then I said, "But you love Star Man. Why wouldn't just go as Star Man?" Because Star Man seems like that lazy costume. Like, oh, I already got this shirt. I'm just going to put on a jacket. You just want to build a cosmic staff. Yeah, I do want to <laughs> build a cosmic staff. It's called PVC pipe and paint. Like, how hard can it be? Mm. But yeah, and I could news. build one with uh, for Star Man too. But, uh, yeah, news! Uh, so we've, uh, Ben Affleck on his Twitter page. Oh, talking about costumes. Talking about costumes. Uh, he put out a, uh, costume test, um, video for the villain of what we're thinking is his Batman movie. Maybe. Uh, and we get to see Deathstroke. The Terminator. The Terminator. Uh, it... Looks cool. Looks like, you know, you would think. Mm-hmm. Kind of close to what you saw in Arrow, but still a little bit different. Yeah, it's um, more armored. Um, mm-hmm. It's kind of like the new 52 take on Deathstroke. Uh, or the Arkham Asylum mm-hmm. Games yeah. version. Yeah. I like it. Uh, it, it, it good. And he moved well. It wasn't clunky, because sometimes, like, that really armored look, you know, I, you know he, didn't, he didn't move robotically. So yeah. I'm like, yeah. oh, right. You know? It does seem a little, for someone who's going to be an assassin, mm-hmm. it did seem a little um, loud <laughs> to move in. <laughs> like yeah. chainmail. That. <laughs> and um, just kind of big and bulky. Mm-hmm. Like, But yeah, like you said, he does move smooth in it, but he's yeah. still like, you know, looks like a turtle. You could tip him over and he would have a hard time getting up. Right, right. But he's that urban commando, yeah, I, I think, more than. Uh, you know, an assassin like he's prepared for every eventuality. Yeah, you know he's uh, he's ready to take you out uh, middle of a highway. I don't know. Yeah, I got I got no segue. <laughs> <laughs> it's yeah, it's weird. 
No. He he looks like he's ready to return to the screen, much like Bill Nye's ready to return to the screen. The small screen? The small screen. He's going to be on Netflix with a talk show where he's going to refute the claims of politicians, religious leaders, and titans of industry. Yeah, get after those titans of industry, Bill Nye. Uh, (laughs) Is is he going to be time traveling? Because that would be even more awesome. Uh, I wish he would be time traveling. It's gonna, it's gonna be Bill Nye saves the world, and it's gonna start in the spring of 2017. And uh, he, so I don't know if it's gonna be like a weekly thing where he's gonna I be talking about the thing. news. Yeah, I'm kind of hoping so too. Um, but it's gonna be kind of his like, um, you know, kind of this, you know, more acidic version of Bill Nye that we get every once in a while. Where he's just like, you know, people are being stupid and just like him, the fed up Bill Nye that I kind of enjoy every once in a while. Well, this is a Netflix exclusive. Um, and since they're calling it a TV show, I'm hoping, or uh, whatchamacallit, like a talk show, I'm hoping they do it more episodic in nature with like new episodes being released instead of just the dump and putting everything out there all at once. Because mm-hmm. um, I want something that keeps me coming back to Netflix, not just something that keeps me there. Did you guys Did finish Stranger sense? Things? Yes. I haven't watched oh, it. Oh, so good. Did you finish it? Yes. Oh. Season 2 trailer hit online as well. Talking about things that are going to make me coming back yeah, to but Netflix. Yeah, it but just, it's just like... It's Stranger <laughs> 2. It's Season 2, the logo of Stranger Things with Season 2 and then, and then all the episode titles. Uh, I still need to watch that. Actually, I just recorded a Parks and Rec before we started this too and Janet asked me if I had watched... Stranger Things yet, and I was like, no, everyone keeps saying I need to, though. I've been telling you for a month. I've been watching know, it for like my, a month and a half. My arguing point is when I get home from work, I just want to like, have something on in the background while I'm relaxing. I don't want <laughs> something I have to actively like watch and pay attention to, so that's why I've been going back through the office again. Yeah, I understand like, that. I don't need to watch it, because I know it. Mm-hmm. The, yeah, uh, and this thing will draw you in. Grab you, like, first, like, five, ten minutes into the thing, you mm-hmm. are... Just you, it's hooked. you're hooked, and it's just it's great. Apparently, ah, Bill like Nye it. had a. Uh, I'm sorry, I'm getting back onto the track here. Bill Nye had a uh, cameo in an Inside Amy Schumer episode where he cursed a lot, <laughs> talking about global warming. Like he was just going off. He so appears all the that. time on um, Tosh Point oh, too. <laughs> he appears as Tosh's dad, <laughs> <laughs> but he's Bill Nye the Science Guy. Yeah. Like he's doing science stuff on there. That's fun. I, I love Bill Nye. Me too. That's I, I'm, look, I'm really looking forward to this. <laughs> we don't have anything else, do we? Nope. Uh, no, nothing that we want to talk about. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to bring up uh, Madden, but we don't want to talk about No, we that. don't care about that. Yeah. Oh, uh, well, I, what, what do you want to say about it, Paul? Nothing. I, uh, I have yeah. something like... Oh. Well, not something to add, but I just kind of want to hear what you have to say. Oh, did you hear about this? The live commentary? No, I, from uh, yeah. the, this year's Madden 2017, um, yeah, Madden said that uh, you know, with along with trade rumors, injuries, they are going to not gloss over by glossing over Colin Kaepernick not standing during the national anthem by by this week's commentary being uh, update being released. They are going to mention it, but it's going to be a brief mention. Hmm. So I think it's interesting that they're actually going full bore with uh, you know the actual live comment, quote-unquote, live commentary for the NFL season. 
that's that's actually pretty cool. I I didn't know that they did that kind of thing. Uh, this is the first year they're actually doing this weekly content. Well, they do weekly content updates, but with con- actual live commentary. You know, this are recorded new recorded voiceover. So I think so it's, it's cool. It's no that longer it's just like, well, good job because the quarterback's job is to pass the ball, and he did that. Yeah, no, they if they another been, nail in the coffin. That's from NBA Jam. I know that's the only sports game I've ever played. <laughs> you son of a bitch! <laughs> no, they've been uh, their commentary. He's been, on fire. Has been a little bit more uh, robust than just that. <clears throat> then the quarterback goes back to pass and makes a completion. Uh, Ace Hardware. Mm-hmm. Ace is the place. Well, yeah, that's Ben. Uh, fact, it's Acton. <laughs> but the is but the, this is the first year they're actually trying to do a weekly update with the commentary to actually incorporate what's actually happening in the NFL season along with the game that you're loading up. So it, they'll mention a big injury. You're like, oh, the running back, you know, is just coming back on the field now because who wants to play with injuries on? Like I don't. But I would like them to mention that oh he was hurt last week in a game and he's coming back on the field because he's a trooper. Cause I, are you are you playing Madden this year? Uh, no, because it's it's uh it's console locked. It's console only, and I don't have a new generation oh. console, and I'm not going to play the older ones. Because they won't release it for PC because they say piracy is too rampant on the PC. They don't release sports games other than the FIFA. So what else did he have, Chris? No, no, I was just wondering what your um, discussion was because um, not a big secret. I used to work at GameStop um, a couple years ago, and for us, Madden was always one of the biggest games that we would have. Like we would do the midnight releases, and like we try to make it like mm-hmm. in a whole event. We do like a tailgate party thing, and um, this year, like just like the drop off of people actually there was staggering. I heard because mm-hmm. I, I still talk to people that work there, so like. The one store only had like eight people show up for the midnight mm-hmm. release. Well, because I don't think the consoles have been doing well these next generation. Honestly, I didn't even know it was already time for Madden to come out. I mean, I know I'm not really in the loop on it anymore mm-hmm. because it always comes out the same time of year constantly. But I didn't see any kind yeah. of advertising or word about it until end of August. Things. It usually hit, hits mid to end of August, um, depending if there's a delay. But I don't think these new generation consoles have actually hit the mainstream. Mainstream, you know, the, the Madden quote unquote players, mm-hmm. you know, the the people that are going to pick up either Madden, Halo, or Call of Duty, like because Xbox has not one has not been selling that great. PlayStation Four sold well, but you know, I don't I don't know if it's really hit the every. I'd be the, interested to see what the actual numbers are and see if mm-hmm. people are just download buying them on their system because your yeah. systems are offering yeah. deals. They're offering, you know, if you have the, you know, you pay the money for the yearly subscription to PlayStation Now mm-hmm. or whatever it is, you get twenty percent off when you buy it digitally, and then also if you buy it digitally, you can have it your um, system set up so at midnight. It just downloads the game with all the stuff overnight for you, so it's ready in the morning. Oh, that's cool. You know, you can set it up that way, so you don't have to go out at midnight, get the game, then come home, put in your system, then put your system in, like, the sleep mode that's still downloading all your updates, you know, your updates yeah, and stuff. The day one updates. And then 
You know, you don't have to go out at midnight. It just does it for you. But um, with the new uh, World of Warcraft expansion Legion, I I bought it digitally. Like mm-hmm. I downloaded all the pre-patch stuff. It was all ready, like set to go. When I got home on the thirtieth from work, all I had to do was basically just load the launcher and I jumped right into it. Like I didn't have to actually install anything. I've, I've hit my uh, WoW lull where I have. I don't think I've logged in in over a month. How is Legion? Um, it's it's really good. Uh, I need to get back in. It's it's fantastic. Um, not to make this like the news last any longer, but they're focusing more on the actual fantasy of whatever class that you're playing hmm. to make you feel like you're more ingrained in it than just being like, oh, I play as a warlock, so I I cast demon spells, or I'm a warrior mm-hmm. now I hit things with a sword or a shield. Like you you feel like more part of your class because you're doing actual class-based quests oh, okay now. that's cool and you're like you're like a figurehead for whatever class that you play at so kind of like in skyrim when you're part of the fighters guild or part of the uh, assassins guild kind of stuff like that like from yeah it, it's like even um john zoning out prof- we're talking a while i know i'm, I'm sorry i'm gonna try to wrap it up but okay. even your profession like <laughs> professions were something that you had there just oh yeah you can make armor or whatever and sell it get money or use it yourself but it was basically like, okay, I'm going to go to my profession trainer. I'm going to stand there. I'm mm-hmm. going to make what I need to. I'm going to buy the new patterns. I'm going to make that. That's going to unlock the next level. I'm going to buy more patterns, so on and so forth. It, mm-hmm. just, it became a grind to do that, but now it's actually more quest-based, where you have to go out into the world to find people that can teach you how to use like the new materials and stuff that you're finding. Oh, that's cool, because uh, I thought it was weird when I, we, we jumped back into it, like... I'd go to the profession or the class trainer, and it, they wouldn't do anything anymore. Before you actually yeah. had to buy your skills from them or to no, learn yeah, them. Now you, just, and now you pick it all up. Now you're just out in the world, and you level up, and they're like, "Here's your new skills." And I'm like, "What's the NPC doing there in town now? Nothing." Um, they the NPC's there if you want to switch your spec to something oh. else. Oh. So, like as a like a affliction warlock, mm-hmm. if I want to switch to something else, I can go there and do it for free instead of doing it like out in the world where like there's a penalty for it mm. that's cool i never yeah. mind you guys talking about this just let me totally zone out <laughs> yeah. i mean i you guys are talking and i just was staring out the window yeah, like were. it's fine like just john had this look of like it, it looks almost like every time his picture's taken <clears throat> you know that look <laughs> Like, are you stealing my soul? Uh, you know what? You know who's stealing my money? Comic book companies. Comic book companies. Uh, that takes us yeah. into the list. I thought you were going to keep going. No, no. The books that are coming out. I did my part. September seventh. So. 17th. Wait, no, it's the seventh. I wrote down the wrong date. Whoops. Yeah. My bad. That's a slash, not a one. There, so were you? Did you disabbreviate Sep? And put the T, but didn't cross it, so it looked like a seventeen. In the show notes, I just have it as like oh nine slash one seven slash one six. So mm-hmm. I think I'm a little behind the scenes thing. When I have to do the show notes, I basically just go to a previous week's copy and then paste it. So I think I forgot to delay a thought. Someone, that's fine. Uh, Chris, what are you looking forward to? I'm looking forward to being more on top of my game when it comes to typing up show notes. Apparently. Uh, but I'm actually looking forward to a book that I haven't looked forward to in a while, and this is a Fable spinoff, and this is what? Ever After from the Pages of Fables, number one coming out from Vertigo Comics. Uh, this is written by Matthew Sturgis, who actually worked with 
um, Bill Willingham on the Fables main series for a while with art by Travis Moore. And this takes place after the end of Fables and focuses on more of like kind of like the background characters that you didn't actually get to see really in the Fables book proper, um, like Bo Peep, Peter Piper, Peter Piper, Hansel, and then one of the uh, wolf children. Um, magic is running rampant in the mundane world now, and this is about a uh, new task force that's out there to protect humanity from it. How long has Fables been running now? Um, well, Fables ended, right. I want to say, like last year or the year before. Mm-hmm. It ran for a long time, and then just like with all the spinoff books. Like now with this next spinoff, I'm like, are they reaching, was it 2001, 2000? Five, oh, I want to say it was like six? 2000 because it was like right when we started getting back into comics is when yeah. Fables came out. Oh man, is that so? They're going to be clear. They're over 15 years, and um, are they closing? Tw- uh, 2002. Wow. Okay, so they're closing on uh, 15 years then. Yeah. Of wow, of just that you know bullet point title of Fables. Yeah. I mean, Pretty it's good. got a broad enough like subject base mm-hmm. that they can kind of like go anywhere with it. John, what are you looking forward to? I am looking forward to a number one from Dark Horse Comics, and this is Rise of the Black Flame. This is a character that, or uh, the Black Flame is something that's popped up in Mike Manola books, either Lobster Johnson, uh, Hellboy, even um, the Captain Wooden Leg guy. And the plague ship or whatever I can't think of that guy character's name. So uh, it's kind of a fun little backstory about the black flame that's appeared in all those books. <laughs> Wanted to check it out. I always look forward to picking up a Magnola yeah. Hellboy verse world thing, I, I, and it's nice having it now on Comicsology versus having to go onto the Dark Horse app and. Dark Horse app was so hard to find things and search for it, and it was a pain. And now streamlined and Comicsology, very easy. Hmm. I, I like that, and I you always seem to enjoy these one-offs a little bit even more than the Hellboy series. Like Lobster Johnson, I think you became more of a fan of than even Hellboy. Am I, I wrong in saying that? Uh, I loved Lobster Johnson in the appearances that he made in Hellboy. Oh. And then when they actually try to write a series about him is when I always want to read it because I mm. love that character. And then that, that character takes away too much from mm. the character. You know, it's like Boba Fett is really cool in the movies, but then you see his origin story and you're like, eh, baby feet, it's not that great. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that. Did um did you watch the new cracked spit take? No video. Oh my gosh, it's about um, I think it's like the ten most insane reactions adults had to the original Star Wars trilogy, like like right when it came out. It's fantastic. I highly recommend it. I will check it out. It's pretty good. They talk about underoos. They do. I had underoos. It's hilarious. Oh. Uh, I'm looking forward to, you know, I don't think it was a really good book, the Supergirl Rebirth, number one, but the world setting it did do, uh, because it just was a dense book where they were trying to re-level set everything that's happening for Supergirl in the comic books, and by re-level set, I mean, like, get in line with what they're doing in the television show. Uh, So you got Kara, who has been adopted by, you know, somebody that works in the DEO, she 
doesn't have a sister in the comic books, but, like she does have in the television show, but her mom works for the DAO, or her adopted Earth mom has it, it works for the DAO, and she's a high school student versus, you know, being the coffee getter for Calista Flockhart in the television show. So there are differences, but they definitely are trying to get more in that same tone. Uh, so I just want to get that, you know, same feel that it's so easy to root for Melissa Bennett. Is that how you say her last name? Benoit? Benoit. Benoit. I'm not sure. Benoit. Benoit. Uh, in the television show, all of three episodes that I watched because she's so likable and I wanted a likable Supergirl again in the comic books because for like after the new 52 she was this alien invader kind of character that was didn't really understand her powers or her place in the world and she wasn't rootable root is that a word i couldn't yeah, root you for just her said it. yeah root, root, like yeah she's yeah. not rootable yeah like it's hard to root for her and uh in this series they started off with her going up against a stupid kryptonian werewolf for no reason uh, but uh, but starting off the actual series, it's going to be her versus her dad, the cyborg Superman. So mm. I'm like, okay, that's more interesting. Okay, you give so, me a likable Supergirl facing off against cyborg Superman. I am in. So we had uh, Supergirl Rebirth number one on our list for something to read for to look back, but then you're like, eh, let's not worry about it. Do you think actual number one is something that's worth? reading and discussing next month then i'm hoping that it's not bogged down with the whole world building that it that rebirth number one had to do that we're able to get more into just the story because there was a lot of characters talking to characters explaining exactly what's happening like mm-hmm. no you don't understand kara we have a deal now we got your powers back because this is what ha- you know. This is what happened. This was what happened, and now this is what's ha- going to happen. The rebirth issues that we've liked are the ones that act like a number one, not a zero issue yeah, to and fill you in on everything in the backstory. So yeah, like some of those ones, like eh, it's not that great, but I'm willing to check out that first issue yeah. to actually see where the actual story is going to go. Now that that issue is over, and we bridge the gap between these, the new Fifty Two and this new. DC Universe, you know, it was definitely that bridge, and they tried to shoehorn an actual action story plot over it, but it didn't work. It just felt clunky. And this one, yeah, now that we have a crit, now this is the break. This is where the series will start, and I'm interested to see it. I look forward to reading number one then, and not number one. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) stupid DC. They should. John and I were talking about it before the show. They shouldn't. They should have either just called them all rebirth, like rebirth, Green Super, Lantern. Yeah, no number to it or a zero, zero. and then did the number one because you do have like two number ones coming out mm-hmm. in a month. You know, like some in a month, some you know in January and then in uh, or <laughs> June and then in July. You know, it really threw us all. Well, it threw me off and Paul yeah. as well. Because I'm well, like, no, which ones I mean, do I? Some need? of the stuff I was confused by too, because I saw like number two came out, and I was like, well, I read number one. Did I actually pick up number one, number one, or was it Rebirth? Number right. One? That's what I kept on doing too, especially when the second issue came out. I'm like, did I miss one, or is this? Which one did I pick up originally? Yeah, it was very frustrating. And that like, kind of for today too, I had that same thing because I 
realized I no longer had uh, Titans Rebirth on my iPad. So I was like, oh, let me go re-download it. And then I was scrolling through. I was like, wait, dude, was there a actual like number one or just the Rebirth number one? And it it was weird. <laughs> and we'll get into all that weirdness soon. But first, we need to do a dramatic reading. And now, the Bagden Boardcast presents a dramatic reading from Justice League Unlimited, issue 14, page 8, panel 3. Dog, I was in the sky. Justice League Unlimited, issue 14, page 8, panel 3. Man, af- after reading that, I could I could use another drink. <laughs> so good thing I have another beer here, and this is from New Belgium Brewing, and this is part of their Lips of Faith series, and this is the Tart Lychee, sitting at a 7.5% ABV, and I'm surprised because this doesn't seem like it's that high on the alcohol side of things. Um, it's a really nice, pleasant, like, sour with a nice little bit of sweet. It says on the side it's also brewed with cinnamon, which I I don't get a lot of that spice, but I think this would be a great introductory sour um, for someone because it's not a sour. It's definitely more on the fruit beer side of things, but I think it would kind of train your tongue for what you would get from like an actual sour. But man, yeah. I, I really enjoy this. It says best... Um, sorry... Best enjoyed by May 14th, 2017. So this is something that I kind of want to get one and sit on it and see like how the flavor changes. But since it does say, like, hey, drink it before the state, I don't know if it's actually worth trying or if it's just going to get worse. Yeah, I, th- I imagine it might get worse as it cl- gets closer to that date. Is this the one that's done with, like, uh, key lime, lemon, and hibiscus flour? Um, no, this says um, it's just with lychee fruit and... Um, Okay. This With is aged. uh this is a different um lips of faith than I had then. Okay. I think yeah, it lips of faith uh, is a is a series. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, but I I really like this. Um I I saw it and I was like, "Yeah, you know what? Why not? I'll pick up something different for the show." And I was kind of worried about it just being like overly sour. Um lychee's not one of those go-to fruits. It's it's not Something a go-to like, fruit for anyone. You yeah, you don't see it like a lot of places, so I didn't really know what to expect from this, but yeah, this is extremely pleasant. I'm drinking it at room temperature, and I think if I had it chilled, this would be like perfect hot day beer. But hey, good on you, New, uh, New, New Belgium. Uh, speaking of a good hot day beer, we are drinking another beer from Lagunitas. This is the Stupid Wit. This is Lagunitas' take on a Belgian-style wheat beer. Mm-hmm. And uh, when the I watched a video about the brewer uh, speaking about this beer, uh, his biggest complaint with uh, people drinking wheat beers is putting the orange on the rim of the glass or in the beer. And his thought process is... Uh, it's a beer. It's not a cocktail. It mm-hmm. shouldn't have that fruit. So if people want an orangey, zesty flavor to their wheat beer, let's just do it with hops. And uh, they do. And you have a nice kind of citrusy, 
wheat beer that's so easy drinking at 6.3. It's it's really delicious. And like um, I've had this a couple times. Paul said he bought two bottles for the podcast yep. and just ended up drinking both of them. Well, I had a hard week. <laughs> uh, but it is something yeah. that you're like, I can just, I will buy it mm-hmm. again. Mm-hmm. This reminds me, you remember how much I love that Ithaca groundbreak? Yeah. yeah. It's like a poppier, spicier, Belgian-ier version of that. And I'm like, you know what? I don't need Hennepin if I can get this all the time. Uh, you can't. So I know. So I'm going to have Hennepin still. <laughs> I know. It's limited release. I know I'm just saying. Stupid wit. It's been a while. Because it's one of those beers that I'll see and I'm, like, I pass up because I was like, oh, I've had that before. Um, but now hearing you guys talk about it makes me think, like, oh, that's something I should definitely pick up if I see it again. Because well, I miss Groundbreak. Groundbreak was so good. Groundbreak was good. This is new, Chris. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, stupid Wit, haven't they had that? No, this is a brand new beer. Oh, they had stupid... Uh, there's another stupid series that it's spelled the same way that they, they okay, had before. They have the Hop Stupid. Hop th- Stupid. Oh, they have a couple of them. But oh. yeah, no, this is brand new, Chris. Okay, good. I don't know. have to keep an eye out for it. I, uh, you said you were having this for the show, so I tried to find it at my beer store, and they didn't have it, unfortunately. Um, but yeah, I'll have to keep an eye out. Yeah, there's 54 and, beers with Stupid. In <laughs> uh, Sidebar, I know this is like a complete different conversation, but... Um, because, John, you asked for what kind of green flash stuff I can find out here. Yes. So mm-hmm. you guys see if you have it up there. It's honestly not a lot. It's pretty much like the two beers that I had and then some other, like, bare bones stuff. Okay. Like the non-tangerine version of, like, the Soul Style IPA and then, like, something else. No, that's fine. I, we just – we try to – it's always fun when we can all review beers, you being down in Florida and us mm-hmm. being up here, and we can all review stuff together. So that's all I was looking for. Yeah, so yeah. that way we can be like, oh, there's a nice crispness in the air. This beer is perfect for the fall weather. And Chris being like, it's too hot for this beer. <laughs> it's hot. It's hot. It's going to rain. The next time we'll be able to do beer reviews together is when you guys come down in January then. Yeah. Well, also, and if we can find beers. Mm-hmm. Nope. <laughs> in January. I don't want to promise anything. Well, I'm just saying is like if you get to the nope. beer, if you get to your beer shop, just send out a message to say like, "Hey, I found this," because yeah. like we could have found the magic hat, we could have found, you know. No, one thing we can promise though is us reviewing some oh. comic books. No, <laughs> right? Nope. We we cut two from it already. All right. So the August look back. It's our main topic, and uh, Chris, you brought us uh, backstagers for a reason that's important. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Is it? Now I feel like that was thrown on me, and I can't back it up. Oh, because it was written by somebody that we all enjoyed the work of in the yeah, past, um, right? This is backstagers number one from uh, Boom Studios, part of their Boombox line, which is their more like all-age, like kid-friendly mm-hmm. series of books. And this was written by James Tinian IV, who we known like from his work over in the Batman family side of things, and also from the image comic book The Woods, um, which we also talked about for mm-hmm. a uh, trade policy, I want to say now. Yes, we did the first volume for the trade policy. And then we were going to get the artist on for the second volume of the trade and policy, but we never ended up doing that. Paul has... Paul, Paul drops had, the ball. Paul had a, no, Paul had a lot going on when he was building a building for... Yeah, putting a building together for 
a company. <laughs> things, hey, things sometimes happen, and that's what this book is all about. Because um, this is telling the story of a new kid in school named Jory who is looking for some sort of extracurricular activity. So he goes to join drama club, and then just kind of realizes that there's so much drama involved with that. And then he kind of falls into uh, life with the stagehands and just the craziness that follows as they have a door that leads to a secret universe um, behind them. Mm-hmm. And I, I would say this is kind of in the vein of other books we've talked about on the show, like, um, <clears throat> sorry, clear my throat, um, like the Adventure Time book. What was the other one that we just read recently? Like Lumberjanes. Mm-hmm. Um, this is very much that like crazy kid cartoon style that you've probably seen and stuff. Yeah. On, like Cartoon Network recently. Um, yeah, it's like, a, what was it, Flapjack kind of style? Yeah, Flapjack. There's like that Gumball, mm-hmm. um, Gravity Falls, Steven Universe. Like there's a lot of crazy kids cartoons out there now that... I'm sure I would be into if I was that age. Yeah, and the artist on this has worked on Adventure Time books, the uh, okay. Fiona and Cake Cake oh, book. Yeah, because mm-hmm. um, yeah, uh, it's illustrated by Ryan Singh. Yeah, and he's because I looked him up to see like, all right, well, the, I mean, it's energetic. It's definitely a fun. The, right. Yeah, and book. the style is that of of like a cartoon. Like it is exactly what Chris yeah. described. Like mm-hmm. it's like. You see it and you know you know it because you've seen these cartoons. Mm-hmm. So yeah, no, I mean it it works and it works for the story. And what kind of brought me into this was the fact that this is being written by James Tinian, like someone that's done some really good comic book stuff, but it's all very dark and more adult. And this could almost be compared to the woods in a way, where it's a bunch of school kids who get involved in something crazy and otherworldly, but they could not be any more different just with like, the presentation. And yeah. I think that's awesome because he can really flex his chops on this because, yeah, we know like someone like him or Scott Snyder can write like a crazy out there superhero or horror book, but to kind of take that same sensibility but then almost tone it back so much, mm-hmm. like, I, th- I think that's really cool. Well, the reactions of the characters, I think, make the tone of the book, where the woods is, oh, how are we going to survive this? This is horrible. And granted, things are getting eaten left and right. Uh, here, we got characters reacting like, no, this is everyday occurrence. It's pretty awesome, isn't it? <laughs> like, And also, like, there's, this weird, in, there's this weird little like monster thing that this kid's keeping as a pet. It's my friendo! It, it's also like in one to two panels, you get the character. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. that's this character. That's this character. Mm-hmm. That's this character. And it all works. It's all it doesn't need to be explained. Mm-hmm. They show you very easily and it just pops pops on the page, mm-hmm. pops with the writing. And it is a really fun fun book. Uh I probably wouldn't keep up on it in issues, yeah. but it would be something I would grab in trade. Yeah, oh, yeah. And if Chris yeah. re- if Chris bought continue to buy them, I would wait till, you know, he's six mm-hmm. issues in and then sit and plow through it because it's a quick read and yeah. it's fun and you, it's that thing that I don't want to have to wait a month I want to wait the second it takes me to click over to the next book mm-hmm. to read it, right? or just turn the page 
Uh, I do have to say there's somebody that kind of works like backstage for an office that my job would actually be easier if there was an interdimensional gate. <laughs> Because that means I could get anything I wanted. Like, they were able to, oh, yeah, there's this room with the red lights, and that solves all our problems. And I'm like, yeah, work would be so much easier if there was a door I could go through and just find what I needed. Right, or just a trap door to yeah. those people that annoy you. Oh, yeah, yeah, sure, just something get like the spikes. that. <laughs> oh, don't bring spikes into this podcast. It's No spikes. <laughs> it's a very fun book, and I think I did myself a disservice because I had just read... Lumberjanes Volume 2 like a week previous to that, so mm-hmm. it was still kind of fresh in my mind. Um, I I really enjoyed this book and I think this is something great to pass off to like kids. If you if you have children, you have little cousins, if you've got a friend that has kids, I, I think anyone could enjoy this, but I think Lumberjanes just kind of ekes it out a little bit. Mm-hmm. But I think if you if you were like a kid and you were to read them back to back, like that would be a fun day for you. Uh, I, I agree. It's it's definitely fun. It makes me feel like I'm like I'm watching a cartoon. It's manic. Yeah, yeah. It, it really is. But it, it it's a lot of fun. I think this is another worthwhile all aged book that uh, Boom's putting out with. Boombox. I keep wanting to say Kaboom because that's what it used to be. It also like with the big like um, Pokemon craze that had just hit and kind of gone. It reminds me of those Pokemon cartoons too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can I can see that. Just just like the the I mean I, the, I think the, I didn't watch Paul Paul set it up perfectly when he said like that kind of like manicness of it. Yeah, mm-hmm. they're like thrown into the situation and they're just gonna deal with it. Kind of like how uh, Yama you. Yami? Hami? 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 Hami Reyes is thrown into a situation that he has to deal with over at Blue Beetle's Rebirth number one. Yes. Uh, written by Keith Giffen, art by Scott Collins. And this is one of those books that that whole Rebirth number one, number one-ness came in, and I was like, wait, did I did I miss one? Mm-hmm. Because as soon as you start reading this, we already have Ted Cord working alongside Hami Reyes as like the blue beetle like double duo and i really felt like i i had missed something by not seeing like the two of them kind of meet and come together and build so i felt like starting off i was already a couple pages behind where i should have been well and also we got the return of that one panel that was in the rebirth issue yeah with dr strange coming and saying hey ted you're dr fate yeah oh dr fate yep sorry Wrong doctor. They're, uh, they're both mystical doctors, though. Yep. Uh, Dr. Fate coming to Ted Cord being like, no, you you misunderstand. You think it's technology. You're actually messing with magic. That's in this book. Yes. But that was also in The Rebirth. I don't remember that in The Rebirth. I'm pretty sure it was there. I could be. I don't remember that. Uh, because I remember seeing Dr. Fate in another book talking to Ted Cord saying basically the same thing. So we're getting these Red Skies kind of crossovers uh, in throughout all these books, uh, it seems. Well, at least in Titan. Again, we see it in Titans, of course, because, you know, yeah. it makes sense. Um, I enjoy the team-up of a young hero and a old hero, but it's so weird because this isn't the Ted Cord we had. He hasn't been Blue Beetle. It seems this is him as he just took over his dad's company. 
He's built the Bug HQ, uh, but I don't know if he was actually ever the Blue Beetle and hanging out with Guy Gardner. Well, they have a they he have like so a quick younger. little line in. I'm trying to find it here. Hold on. Um, and it seems like he's just more impressed. Like, oh, dude, you can be a superhero. I'm going to help you be the best superhero. Yeah. And Jaime being like, uh, no. I want you to get this thing off my back. I want to go back to being a normal teen with my normal teen stuff. I find his friends really annoying, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I, it was very friend-heavy up at the, mm-hmm. the front the start. Load, yeah. And I understand that, like, yeah, you know, Jaime has his own, like, supporting cast. But going into this book, I wanted more of, like, the Jaime and Ted relationship. I wanted to see them working alongside each other a little bit more. Right. But their relationship and, I mean, you do is... You get that in like, the back half, but mm-hmm. it, it's so just dependent on reading who Jaime is as a person first. And I don't want to say that took me out of it, but when I started reading, I was like, this isn't what I want. This isn't what I want. And then when I finally kind of got what I want, I was like, well, why am I reading it as this? What, where was everything that happened previously? Right. Yeah, yeah I understand being feeling like you're in the middle of it and but I think they wanted to really show that the relationship that you're kind of saying you want isn't there like they're not working side by side they're at odds with each other but Ted's too bullheaded to actually know that they're at odds with each other and I think that's kind of it's Keith Giffen again not telling his story he's not going to dumb it down his you know zero issue was an issue number one and you need to catch up you know if mm-hmm. if this was this is what we complained about some of those zero issues by giving us too much backstory where this one is actually yeah, something you kind of need that backstory but this relationship could have popped up at the end of blue beetle the previous 52 series that we mm-hmm. didn't read mm-hmm. so yeah, that's it might be our fault for not catching up on that and I think you got a glimpse of their relationship in that rebirth issue to let you know Ted Cord and Jaime Reyes are teamed up together. Mm-hmm. And then this well, is the they, book. Like, once they are that team up and they start doing things and like, they take apart that team of robots, I was in. Hmm. Like I had fun reading this book. And I think I think that little bit of those friends, those are characters that already were implanted in the series and he didn't want people to be like we're her his friends Mm -hmm. you know you got that you got the squabbling boyfriend and girlfriend friend Mm -hmm. i liked the twist at the end because i'm like okay this all paid off because the end the end of the book where we learn that you know the person working against the blue beetle is his friend's mom like okay that makes the first part of that story that I kind of slogged through worth it. Yeah, you get an because idea of who it, yeah. she is to know that she's... Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it it was the payoff for that. And I since I got it in this one book, which is great, it wasn't four issues later where I finally get this payoff yeah. of dealing with this character. I, I thought this was a really good... I know, you, 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 unlike <laughs> you, Chris, I, I don't feel like I felt like as thrown to the wolves. I felt like it gave me a complete narrative all in one issue. Granted, yeah, I do wish I knew a little bit of the backstory, but they told me enough between Ted, you know, how Ted feels and how Jaime feels 
that I think I got it all here, and I'm ready to move on to issue two, or issue and one. I, I know I, I sounded really negative when talking about it at the beginning, mm-hmm. but like I said, like once I got that like 13, 14 pages in, and I oh, had Ted like on the on the communicator like talking to Jaime. You have like the two like robot villains like with their banter back and forth. Like I I felt good about this. I felt like I will read number two or number one, whichever one they're coming out with next. I I don't know. Uh, but yeah, Blue Beetle will be on my pull list, and this is something that I've I've wanted for a while ever since they launched the new Fifty Two. Like I wanted Blue Beetle to be that Marvel Spider Man for DC. I wanted this to be that character, and I really didn't get it. And I dipped my toe back into it when it started crossing over with the new guardians because they had the crossover between those two books because they were focusing on how the scarab was like an alien weapon mm-hmm. and now now we're seeing it's mystical which i'm okay with that disconnect like whatever they want to do for it to be a better story that's fine with me because i'm more invested just in these characters and how they work together in their relationship yeah and it's keith giffen telling both stories you know so yeah. I mean, it's what what he wanted to do or what he's decided. It's this is his, this is totally him mm-hmm. and his baby. Literally, the father of both of these characters. Um, yeah, I I liked it a lot. I'm glad that you're going to be picking it up because if you weren't, I would be. I really like the art in the book too. Um, I, I I just panel layouts, just the color scheme, everything. I really enjoyed. Yeah, that's something I actually wanted to talk about too because this is drawn by Scott Collins, who I saw from the Flashbooks when he was writing or drawing those for writer Jeff Johns, and that's really my introductory experience for The Flash. Um, whatever colorist he's working with now, I think is doing him a much better service than he had on The Flash. Because The Flashbook, while it was bright and expressive, everything I looked for in a Flashbook, everything was very like flat. Mm-hmm. And this is sketchy. The colors on this it, it gives it a lot more life. It, I, you were a Flash fan, like you read yeah, yeah. too. I, I think uh, I think Scott Collins has gotten uh, much sketchier, a lot more line heavy. Mm-hmm. They're not heavy lines, but there just seems with his colorists that there's a lot more line showing through. Yeah, but uh, I'm always happy to see more Flash, especially Wally West Flash, even if it's in the, just a Titans book. Uh, and I've, I just realized when I was pulling up the next book, uh, Hell Jordan and the Green Lantern Corps, that oh, that's the next book. It says Titans. no, it says DC Rebirth One, Hell Jordan and the Green Lantern Corps. I'd read it, I just tapped it, and it went to the next page, and it said download number two. So I didn't read. Oh, so you didn't? I didn't read, read the the Rebirth number one. But I read Rebirth number one because it's what it fucking says on the banner. Yeah, it does say that on the banner. So um, I didn't read the one. <laughs> I read issue one, not the Rebirth. Well, zero uh, issue. Do, do you know which one you read? I read the one where Sinestro basically powers up with Parallax. That's uh, the one I read. Yeah, and uh, at the very end, the Green Lanterns with Mogo. Mogo is a living planet, right? Yeah, yes. uh, show up at the opposite side of the universe, and somehow they like phase themselves out, and now have gotten back home. 
because okay, now no, that's that's fine because the actual rebirth number one is very much just the backstory of like, hey, here's what Hal's been doing as like renegade, and here's old man Sinestro, like on Warworld, who's kind of like the new Galaxy Police. Mm-hmm. Um, so we can actually talk about the Hal Jordan and Green Lantern Corps number, number one. one and not the Rebirth number one. Yeah, because that's the one listed on our uh, our uh, doc anyways. Not Rebirth, but number one. So I think we read the right one. I think everybody <laughs> everybody read the right one. I think we're all good. Uh, yeah, I, I think we're okay. Because this gives me the Green Lantern Corps that I want again. The, 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 because it's Green Lantern versus well, not, Sinestro. Not only that, I was like, oh, this is a great Rebirth one because it's like issue one. Like it's... <laughs> well, there was... Yeah. Do you, okay, now, do you feel you missed out by not reading the one that took place before this, or no? I no, can't cause... give a shit about what he was doing as Renegade. I don't okay, care. Yeah, He's got you're, not, little... you're not missing out. This yep. basically picks up right in the spot that it's it's okay with. Yeah, it, in, yeah I, Hell Jordan's got his ring back. Got it. Mm-hmm. Uh, Hell, Jordan, Hell Jordan, right now, only Green Lantern around, looking for everyone else. Good. Hitting up criminals, being like, hey, where are my buddies at? Doing detective police work. <laughs> Boom. Got it. Like it. Old man old man Sinestro? Don't know how it happened? Okay. Got it. Mm-hmm. Well, when he, he's talking to Parallax, I'm like, oh shit, he's going <laughs> to turn into Parallax. <laughs> then he shows up, he got the white streak. I'm like, hey, he's got white streak in his hair. He's Parallax. Got it. <laughs> <laughs> oh shoot. Have I been paralyzed? Oh my god, you saw fear, Paul. Paul oh, got paralyzed. We thought we thought it was we thought it was just your love and will of trying to become Reed Richards. Nope, nope. Parallax. Paralyzed. I'm afraid I've been paralyzed. <laughs> which is exactly what they want me to feel. And this is uh yeah. This is Sinestro Corps. Like apparently Sinestro's daughter like led the Sinestro Corps on a more touchy feely version of you know being the new cops new uh, i think it was a thing that she not touchy feely but not evil yeah she was using it as a police force to replace Mm -hmm. the green lanterns and then sinestro powers up with parallax and says no you will instill great fear because fear is the only way to keep order you're all evil people (laughs) go go do it go do it uh no this is this is the book that makes me love Green Lantern again. Mm-hmm. Um, it it really hits that nostalgia I had for eight years ago with uh, what was happening in yeah. Green Lantern after Green Lantern Rebirth. Mm-hmm. And between Green Lantern and Green Lantern Core, I mean, this seems like it's just the two books that I love put together, and I'm going to love it. Hmm. I, I'm a huge Green Lantern fan. And admittedly, I have just fallen off of the Green Lantern books over the years. And even the new 52 on which I did continue to read Green Lantern, also written by uh, Robert Venditti, who wrote Green Lantern and or Hell Jordan and the Green Lantern Corps. I I just couldn't I couldn't keep on it. Um, so reading this, it's just like you said, like this is this is the Green Lantern that I know and love. And I'm excited for everything else that's coming after it now. Yeah. Because Paul, um, I'm going to throw this over to you because you're kind of the one that wavered on Green Lantern the most. Mm-hmm. You weren't a, the biggest fan of Green Lanterns, the other one focusing oh, yeah. on uh, Simon Baz and Jessica Cruz. 
Right, right. Uh, that's... Does reading this kind of make you think like, okay, well, maybe Green Lantern might be that corner of the universe that I do need to pay more attention to? Yeah, because this is cops doing cops work, you know, and that's what I want my Green Lantern core to be. I, I liked it during the recharge era of Green Lanterns where they felt like they're emboldened in street warfare intergalactically. Like it was a street level intergalactic cop series. And this seems like it's getting back to that. And that's what I want from Green Lantern. If that makes any sense. No, it, it doesn't. So, unlike right, Titans... John? Oh, go ahead. Oh, that's okay. John, um, how, how do you feel with Green Lanterns and Hal Jordan and the Green Lantern Corps? Uh, Green Lantern and the Green Lantern Corps is the book I want to read. I think the other book is to explain why the other what the other two are doing and why they're on Earth... And I think this is a way to have the Hal Jordan and the Green Lantern Corps book with all the people, Guy and, and John Stewart, why they're not the Green Lanterns on Earth. They're doing their own thing. So they took those two characters that already existed that had nothing to do and put them there, which I think they're good and interesting characters. They're not what they're not exactly what I want to read. And I think before when I had just read that, I enjoyed the book in the sense that it's like Back in the 90s when I read the Kyle books when he was going to all the superheroes to train and learn how to do stuff, mm-hmm. that I liked it. But now that I have this, this is the book I want. The other book I don't really care about. And, Paul, you were going to throw it into Titan's Rebirth, number one, before mm-hmm. I cut you off, so I'm sorry. No, it's all right. Uh, I'm glad we got John's take. Uh, here in Titan's... Uh, what's Chris's take? Oh, Chris well, loves it. Um, I kind of got it out there. I this is the Green Lantern book that I want. I'm I'm happy that I do get that other side of things. I mean, I've been a Green Lantern fan for so long that I do like seeing the entire core. I mean, that's why I was buying like Green Lantern, Green Lantern Core, like New Guardians, Red Lanterns because I want every mm-hmm. side of this universe. Um, Jordan and Green Lantern Core just kind of is more what I'd lean towards. Okay. This Titans book, I was very happy to have and see, and I'm looking forward to number one after this rebirth because it this rebirth little long winded for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's this, a retelling of the rebirth zero issue, or yes. what for the DC universe plus telling us what's happening with the Titans, catching us up Which, on when you when you read Titans, you kind of need to read it also as the Flash like half issues because so much of this is tied into what spun out of that rebirth and well I haven't read any more of it of the flash um, this seems to be like the overarching story of what's happening in rebirth now hmm. yeah and, and the thing is I don't like Red Hood and the Outlaws and I don't like what Arsenal as Arsenal here because they get into his whole, well, I was a user. Hey, Jimmy. You know, it's just like, it's the parts where I wish they were, like, getting rid of. Because that rise and fall of Arsenal was awful. Yeah, but I don't think the rise and fall of Arsenal has happened in this. Okay. he was Yeah, because he still has an arm. <laughs> he has both arms. Yeah. He didn't swing at that cat in I an don't alley. Think, I don't think this Roy has the kid. Oh, okay. Yeah, it doesn't seem like it. 
So maybe maybe it is resetting it. I just want it to be reset already. And I'm like, oh, we're still we're still in the reset mode. It's like me coming to the dinner table and being like, oh, the forks and knives aren't even out yet. Okay, I'll come back later when the food's all ready for me. I'm going to go back and drink in the corner and not help with setting up the table. <laughs> so I'm, I'm being a jerk today. That's what I felt about this series, this book. It, this definitely felt... It's it's getting you prepared if you didn't read the... What was it? Titan War? Or the with all the Titans coming back together? Titans Hunt. Titans Hunt. Yeah. It's letting you know that the Titans are all back together. They knew that there was something up... And now Wally's back, and you're getting the little bit of mystery with Wally. And it's setting up the villain who the Titans are going to fight against. And I feel like this was more of like that zero issue side of the rebirth than number one actually is. Because number one is a much stronger book. Because we got so much of what we saw in rebirth number one in like the actual rebirth book and then Titans Hunt that reading it just kind of felt redundant but then actual titans number one is kind of delving more into what happened in the overarching dc universe um with an appearance from a flash villain uh long unseen abracadabra yes which is a lot of fun uh, so, Paul, would you would you read more of Titans, knowing that this is kind of like the Flash half book? Paul, would you read more Titans, now knowing that this is more of the uh, Flash half book? Was Paul not in the room? No, he went to go take a whiz. No. Oh, everything I what? said was like set up for Paul to oh. take over. Uh, I'm, what was the, what did he say? Was <laughs> an episode to find out. Oh. <laughs> Everything that happened in Rebirth number one is just rehashing what had come mm-hmm. in Titans Hunt and then the DC Universe Rebirth, like one shot. Um, but Titans number one itself is actually going more into the story of the Titans and what's happening in the DC Universe, and a Flash villain that hasn't been around for a while pops up again. Would that make you want to read it? Abracadabra? Yes. No. I didn't want to spoil it because I didn't know if you would actually read it or not yeah yeah no i read this and it's just it's like i said before i'm gonna wait like maybe after this first arc is done and they're all actually back together instead of trying to figure out this you know the universe hand that rewrote everything aka dan didio when they after they're done fighting dan didio uh then i'll come back to the series because that's when everything will actually be set but until those relationships are all actually there again, I don't care about this book. Because I don't, I, I don't know I who this say, Donna Troy is. I don't know who this Roy Harper is. I don't know anything about these characters. We could have read Titan Sun. I yeah, I was gonna say, but that's, kind that's of all getting reset. But that's going to be reset, right? Like that's what they're resetting now. No, no I, Titan Sun was kind of like the direct lead into all of this. But they say they're getting their... We're fighting to get our memories back. We're fighting to get everything back. Yeah, d- remember so when we read Titans Hunt? <laughs> yes. And they were getting their memories yes. back? Well, they're still saying it in this issue. Yeah. That they're going to get their memories this back. This is the book that bridges Rebirth uh-huh. and Titans Hunt to give you the Titans book. Right. I think after they're done getting their memories back... When they're just the Titans again? When they're the Titans again, I'm in. So after the first I, story arc. Yeah. 
like I just, I just said. <laughs> I do appreciate that this book is kind of Wally West in the Titans because he's a character that's been missing for so long. I really hated not seeing him in the DC universe anymore. Um, so I'm okay with him being kind of that focal character in it all and having the rest of the story revolve around him because I haven't bought a Wally West flash book since they did the, uh, the, the Convergence flash family book. Hey, talking about a uh, a so-and-so character and so-and-so character, in All-Star Batman, we get Harvey Dent and Batman on a road trip together. Road trip. Uh, I bought this because... What we, is this again? This is All-Star Batman, written by Scott Snyder, written by John Romita Jr. <laughs> yeah. uh, and it, on the forefront... The three of us are not John Romita Jr. art fans. Chris being probably the biggest Batman fan out of the three of us, and we all love Batman, Mm -hmm. this is the book that John Romita kept him from buying. Yeah. I picked this up because it's Scott Snyder. Mm -hmm. I'd like to see where this is going, because this series seems like it's going to be more villain-oriented Scott Snyder's take on that with Batman and the world with these characters. Mm -hmm. So I picked up the book. I will pick up more of this book because I like the story and I can get past the Romita art for at least Mm -hmm. this first story arc. uh, Before we get too much into it, can I ask one question of each of you? Last Mm -hmm. panel, were you surprised? I, I want to go. Uh, no, yeah, I have to go look at the last panel. It was, uh, it's the Alfred panel. The Alfred panel, oh. where he's like, "Oh, I'm sorry." When you're like, "Oh, you know," it's because in the story you got Harvey Dent basically saying, "Hey, I got it." This time, when Two Face resurfaces and I can't control him anymore, he's got really big plans and he needs to be stopped. Batman, you know what to do. Bring me to this house, and we'll just end it there and there's this plan you don't we're not sure exactly what the plan is but they need to get harvey dent to this house that's outside of gotham 500 miles away and two-face knows the plan (laughs) and he's put it out he will pay what is it like a a few million dollars to anyone who stops batman and sets him free and if he nobody does then all the stuff all your all your Google uh, search engines <laughs> results basically become public. Even if you were in incognito. Because Harvey Dent has the power to he's, get your... He's collected all the information. Somehow. And, and I yeah. like this version of Harvey Dent. Mm-hmm. I like this yes. version of Two-Face. It is interesting, different. It mm-hmm. makes him more menacing than he already is yeah, and was the idea that Harvey Dent, you know, as a DA knows the political system, knows the legal, the legal and political system so well, and also knows the underground so well that when Harvey Dent shows up and takes over, he's able to manipulate each Two-Face. and every yeah Two Face or yeah Two Face is able to manipulate it all, even though Harvey Dent's trying to like organize it and keep order. <laughs> Yeah, and it's that chaos and order that work together, and it makes so much sense that this is the character that Two-Face 
always should have been mm-hmm. and possibly when the character was created or mm-hmm. in the you know geez what 40 years that this character's been around if not longer should have been and mm-hmm. got muddled and lost i really enjoyed that and i love the fact like when he's got like he's got like a blanket or a mm-hmm. like a cloth over his head and he just has the yeah. two-face eye mm-hmm. cut out and the two-face eye sees everything in black and white Mm-hmm. And that's such an interesting concept that, you know, yeah. there is no shades of gray. It's one way or the other. Well, yeah, because he's the flip of the coin. Exactly. It's like either it's right or, or it's, it's wrong. wrong. <laughs> and all that stuff makes so much sense. The only thing that is a problem with the book. Unfortunately, when you're colorblind, all you see are shades of gray. It's not all black or white. Otherwise, you wouldn't see anything. There would be no contrast at all. Speaking from a colorblind person. Yeah. Uh the only Flash thing, fact. the only thing that is a problem with this book is the Ramita art, and it's yeah. uh, it's better Ramita art than we've gotten in the past. Right. And I think some of that has to do with the colorist. I really like I, the. I think a lot of it is the coloring on it. The colorist really makes the, the John Ramita art bearable, right? Uh, because there are there, there are. So, I don't, it makes it grittier. It I makes it, don't understand why this fucking guy is such a big, like, ooh, John Romita, ooh, I gotta buy a John Romita. It's fucking awful. The, in the first two pages, there's a guy that has an eye going left and an eye going right. Fucking straighten out those eyes. You're this <laughs> giant artist. You're on a major book. I paid four ninety nine for this book. Get All your right. shit together. I, I, I kind of bit my. Your father is a fucking legend, and you are a joke. Uh, the just like initially, like <laughs> John has his arms were, up. <laughs> the initial couple pages where it's the people sitting in the diner just like talking. Mm-hmm. Right in that, I was like, this book would look and just probably read so much better if someone like Raphael Albuquerque was on it. Like, this read so much like something from out of um, American Vampire that I wanted to see, like, Raphael Albuquerque are on it because I think it would earn so much more. And then just, like, how he would handle the the different sides of Two-Face, I think it would be amazing. Uh, What I got here, I it seemed off. And it could be because I just don't like the... John Romita art, and then the characterization of Batman when he's in the diner, it just seemed it didn't seem right. Wink. And like, after I got through, I was like, oh, maybe this is Duke as Batman, and that's why it reads weird, but no, it's it's not. Like, we have like Batman winking mm-hmm. at the people in the diner, be like, nobody's gonna die today. Wink! Like, I, I just, I felt like so taken out of it. Yeah. That it wasn't until you actually have like the flashback part where you have like the setup to what's going on that I was like, okay, now this feels more like a, like a Batman book, not just like a Scott Snyder Batman book, because it did kind of have that initial feeling at the start with the, the diner and then everything just goes to hell. But it, it took me a while to get into this and I can't just say it was only the art because that stuff with Batman in the diner just seems so weird. I don't know. It, yeah. It, no, I agree. That seemed a little off. But as soon uh, as I, he got the character of Two-Face rolling, yeah, it yeah. felt like a Scott Snyder book. I felt better about that. And then I like, I was like, this is like Superman walking across the country. Now, yeah. Though. Like, it's that mm-hmm. road trip book. And I was like, oh, okay. I, 
I don't know if this is something that I would keep on reading. But yeah. then I got to that backup story, um, with uh, also written by Scott Snyder with art by Declan Shevely, where it's Batman and Duke Thomas, who we don't know what his like, vigilante name's going to be yet, because they've made it abundantly clear he's not a Robin. He won't be a Robin. He's doing he's something different. <laughs> like, <laughs> I'm doing something different. Every time we've seen him in something now, it's like, you're going to be different. I'm doing something different. The color wheel. I've had like four issues of random books all saying this now, and I want to know what that is. And I hate the fact that it might be in the backup of this book that I'm going to get that because I don't want to read the JRJR stuff. And then there's Mm -hmm. a page in the back that's like a letter from Scott Snyder that's like, why All-Star Batman? And he's talking about the great talents that he gets to work with, like Sean Murphy and like Francesco Francovilla and Jock. And I'm like, oh, God, those are like artists that I love from reading their other books. Yeah, Jock on this side. Why can't they be on this? Jock would have been really good here, too. Any of them. Uh, He even mentions like Paul Pope in that. And it's like, oh, Paul Pope. Paul Pope. (laughs) (laughs) Doing a diner scene, Paul Pope. The backup artist on this book is better than John Romita Jr., I have to say, this feels more like a character study, you know, between, like, let's put two characters in a room and have them play out a chess game together. And it's, that's what it feels like. That's, I think that's what his purpose for this book was. Right. It's out of continuity. Mm-hmm. It's Scott Snyder focusing on the villains, the things that everybody has loved when mm-hmm. he's done. Yeah. Oh, and no, but this this is in continuity. Because it does deal with Duke. Well, he, he, meant he says like, right in the, like his letter in the mm-hmm. back that's like, um, let me find it. Uh, this is a no holds bar journey. What if it was all to explore in continuity in one crazy series? Yeah, unlike the Arrested All Star Batman, which has been out of continuity. So, um, I'm interested to see where this goes, but this is definitely a wait for the trade for me, and not a every month kind of thing. And I'll just look through the art. For, uh, for me, all this I is want a, if someone if someone else buys this. I will read the backup story focusing on Duke. <laughs> John? I, I I plan on picking it up. I I enjoyed... In trade or in I, issues? I, I'll do issues because it's going to be an expensive trade no matter what. Right. And I, I like the take on Two-Face. I really enjoy yeah. that. And that's what I'm buying this book for is the Two-Face stuff. I, I agree. I wish we had had more... Or any Two Face in his like five year run. Yeah, it wasn't five years, but feels that four. Way. Yeah. All right. Well, if you want more of us, you know, you Wait, know, are we gonna do are we gonna do power rankings or is it not necessary? If you want to do power rankings, let's do them real quick. Uh, Chris, go, go right ahead. You. Want- um, I would say Hal Jordan and the Green Lantern Cord number one. Yep, it feels good getting back to. Uh, Hal Jordan. Samesies. Then probably, uh, I'd say probably Backstagers. Yep. It's not my favorite book, but I, I can appreciate what it is. Um, after that, Blue Beetle, after my initial, like, uh, I don't know about this, I had a lot of fun with it. Mine would have been the... F- because this, the one that I read was basically a zero issue that I didn't need to read, uh, followed by All-Star Batman, because I really like the like last four pages, besides the... Uh, how we done stuff. John, were you going to say it's a switch between those two? It, yeah, Blue Beetle number two, Backstagers number three. And I think I would go I would go Batman over the 
Titans. I think if I read Titans 1, actual 1, it'd probably be reversed, but I really got bogged down in that mm-hmm. Titans issue. Yeah, I would put Titans last as well. And uh, I, I basically follow Chris. It's a toss-up between whether or not to put Blue, Blue Beetle or All-Star Batman. You know, it's three. Uh, and the only thing that's making it a toss-up, if it was better art, it would definitely be my number two or three. But I, uh, I think with the worst art, I'm going to go four with <laughs> that. All-Star Batman number four. All right. And if you want to rate us... got to be somewhere. Check yeah. us out. Titanboard.com. <laughs> iTunes, rate and review us. Blah, blah, blah. Love you. Bye.